I can't tell you that I have an answer as to why God had me go this way with these sermons. Um, and, you know, he doesn't owe me an explanation, and I'm good with that. You know, I'm good with the fact that you know, he doesn't owe me any explanation at all. I simply try to follow his leading. Uh, what I have found interesting, uh, encouraging, maybe even confirming, is several of you have very specifically uh, told me how you have appreciated this series, and also, uh, you know, some who have really never commented or rarely commented uh, on on sermons at all have very purposely uh, told me about. Uh, you know, a particular message uh, that has ministered to them. And uh, I, I told you, I think it was the third week of our series, I told you that um, God will bring encouragers into your life. And I, you know, and I pray that he will bring encouragers into your life and to help you be an encourager. So I just want to thank you for encouraging me, you know, as we go through this. We all need encouragers. Uh, to the prayer today we're looking at in my prayers for you is I pray that God will help you make disciples for him. That's the prayer we started last week and started looking at last week. Uh, but that you will, you know, God will help you make disciples for him. People who will come to know Jesus as their Savior and that they will, you know, as they come to that place, that you will give them and help them to get to the place of knowing more about Jesus and, you know, as he brings them into that place of knowing him, uh, you can help them grow. You know, you can help them grow in that knowledge of him, that grow in the knowledge of new life and what it means to have new life, that new way of living, the, you know, the whole thing with a new direction, new motivation, living with a new focus in life. Uh, that's part of what we're talking about. Let's pray. We'll get back into this passage that we started last week. Father, thank you for a new life in you. And again, I want to thank you for those who poured into my life to help me come to know about you uh, and to get to the place where I, I can, came to know you and, and uh, come to you as my Savior, my Lord. What a great gift those people have been. I ask that you would help us all not only to be thankful for those who poured into our lives, but that now you would help us also to be those who pour into the lives of others. Uh, guide us as we look at your word and your thoughts that we would have your mind your direction, your um, word and empowerment, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew 28 again. Uh, we are just finishing, uh, really only looking at uh, verses uh, 19 and 20 today, but we're going to read all of them. Uh, as I worked on the sermon last week, Guy had very quickly made it apparent to me this it wasn't going to be a one-week deal. And so uh, last week, there's kind of two aspects of of this whole thing of of um, of making disciples, if you will, there's kind of two aspects of it. Last week, uh, the aspect we looked at is the fact that we grow as disciples. So part of the call to make disciples is to ourselves that we are responsible to, if you will. When I say make ourselves a disciple, uh, we are we are called to that process you know for ourselves we grow and i pointed out some of our characteristics of disciples that i've seen here uh, and uh, you know we, i repeatedly mentioned that these are things we grow in you know we grow in those it's not something that automatically flows from us we grow and we continue to grow in it now just as a reminder a disciple is a learner 
Okay, a disciple is a learner, uh, one who learns to follow one's teaching. Very specifically, we're talking about one who learns to follow Jesus Christ and who learns to follow Jesus Christ's teaching. That's very specifically what we're talking about. Disciple, when you see that word disciple, it, it very clearly indicates a continuing, ongoing process of learning and learning to obey uh, Christ Jesus' teaching. It's not just learning the teaching, it's also learning to obey. He gets into that. Follow along. We're going to read all, of, all five verses. Verse 16 uh, was where we're going to begin. Follow it. says, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Uh, then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the, to the end of the age. Now, I'm just sharing characteristics with you of what I see uh, of uh, characteristics of disciples. We covered verses 16, 17, and 18 last week. If you want to listen to it, um, you know, it, it's online, uh, you know, so you can get it online and listen to it or watch it on YouTube. The information for that's on the front of the bulletin. Um, I would make a correction to, not a correction, I guess I would, I would do something a little different because as I reflected on that sermon, I thought that I should have connected the growing aspect of learning better than I did, that I should have connected those. Uh, so here's what we pulled out of those three, first three verses and really kind of worded a little bit more of how I would do it if I was to do it over again. Uh, first of all, disciples learn to naturally obey the Lord. You know, we learn to do that. It is not natural to us. It is not natural to us to obey the Lord. We learn that. You know, so the, uh, disciples learn to naturally obey the Lord. And as we learn more, then that becomes more natural for us. As we do it, it becomes more natural for us. You know, to do that. Also, disciples learn to worship uh, Christ Jesus. As we learn more, we learn to worship Him. The disciples. You can see as you begin as you begin in the, in the Gospels and read through the Gospels, you can see as they learned more who he was, and as they learned more who he was, then their their worship of him is really more unfolded as you get into well the, the, the where we are here, the very end of the Gospel, or even into the Book of Acts. You know, and you see that unfolded more as they learned to worship him, as they learned more about him. We also said disciples learn to bring their doubts to God because there's no better place. Jesus came and said, who do people say I am? And, uh, you know, they, they told him, Christ, you know, son of the living God. And uh, when he talked to them about, well, we would say, we would see it as communion. When he talked about his, his body's real food, his blood is real drink. And it says some of the guys said, whoa, dude, you are just way, I can't, I can't handle this stuff. And it says many of his disciples left. He turned to him and he said, you're not going to leave too, are you? Why aren't you leaving too? Peter said, where else would we go? To whom else would we go? You alone have the answer. So, you know, this whole reality of bringing our doubts to God because there's no better place to bring them. We also said disciples learn to intentionally I got to make sure I got the right. Yeah, disciples learn to intentionally spend time with Christ. 
on purpose and with purpose. That's what we were talking about intentionally, that you're doing it on purpose, spending time with him, and with purpose, you're spending time with him. You're not just, you know, going through, well, I read two verses while I thought about the grocery shopping, and you know, so off I go. Or, you know, but we are intentional with that, you know, intentionally spend time with him. And we said disciples learn to serve in Christ Jesus' authority and power, not simply our own strength. Yes, we use our own strength. We use, you know, the gifts and talents he's given us and we we then learn to serve in his strength and by his direction and in his authority. We're not there on our own. It's because of him. You know, he, he's told us that, you know, that you go in his name. We're doing that. So a summary statement we ended with last week was disciples learn to continue to grow and to help others grow. That's the call of discipleship. And that's kind of where we ended that. Learning to help others grow is where we pick up with on verse 19. Verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, disciples learn to help others come to know and follow and identify with Christ. You know, the disciples learn to help others come to know, follow, and identify with Christ Jesus. It's kind of like three points in one here, because otherwise I can get too wordy. Uh, But I didn't want to separate them. I I think they go together real well. Now, in case you don't already know this, the verse, verse 19, is actually saying, as you go, as you go through life, everywhere you go, you know, wherever it is you go, as you go and as you live your life, you know, no matter where you're going, what he's telling us is going, making disciples. Go, making disciples. As you go, wherever it is you're going, make disciples. This is what he's telling us. This is what he's calling us to here. You know, he's addressing his disciples, it says in verse 16, and we fall into that group, not the group of the original 11. You know, that's an 11 because, again, remember, you know, Judas went up in smoke. Well, he went a different way. But anyway, he's gone. Uh, you know, so the 11 that were left, you know, it's, we weren't part of that original group, but we do come as a disciple of his. And he is addressing his disciples, those who follow him. And he is telling us, he is telling disciples to make disciples. You know, he is, address, he is addressing here those who are learning to follow him, even as, you know, even as they follow him. We're learning to follow even as we follow him. It's not your disciple done. Okay, so graduation was yesterday for uh, some of the schools, the Fort Wayne Community Schools. Uh, Pete Switzer was a salutatorian, gave his speech. I heard it went real well. But anyway, the uh, you know the, there's a done. You're done. You know, and they give you this little piece of paper that says you're done. You know, now you're a graduate. That's not the picture of discipleship. Disciple, you you know you you. You learn, you learn to follow as you are following him, you see. This is, this is what he's talking about when, when he's talking about, you know, making, you know, making disciples. It's as you follow him. You know, he's telling us to help others learn to follow him as we continue to follow him. Help others learn to follow as you, you know, this whole thing of, of I don't know everything. You're right. You never will. You know, you're not going to get to a place where, you know, you're going to get that little piece of paper that says, you are now a full-fledged disciple. 
you're a full-fledged disciple when you come to know Christ as, you know, when you come to know him as your Savior. Uh, well, you're a disciple before that, really, because you're a disciple as you begin to know, understand, follow, you know, and follow him. And you know, so that whole picture, that whole reality there is that we continue to learn. He has called us, he has called us to be discipling disciples. Discipling disciples is what he's called us to be. Those who help others learn more about following Jesus as we continue to learn more about following Jesus ourselves. That's the picture. Those who help others learn more about following Jesus as we learn more about following him ourselves. Discipling disciples. The first thing we need to focus on is helping them to know Jesus. Now, some people know nothing or next to nothing, you know, or they have been told something false about Jesus. When I was in elementary school, I remember this very clearly. When I was in elementary school, I don't remember what grade it was. It seems to me it was, you know, one of the earlier grades. Um, Jesus was one of the people we learned about in our history book in a public school. Jesus Christ was one of was one of the people that we learned about in our history books in the public school. That doesn't happen anymore. You know that 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 just that is not kids are <clears throat> kids are not learning about Jesus in the public school today, at least not formally. Now some of them are learning informally, some in a good way, some in a bad way. One of my great nephews, um, I think he's in eh, third, third grade maybe. Um, he <laughs> he goes to school and he asked, he has asked all of his classmates, you know, if they know God, if they know Jesus, and if they don't, he says, then I tell them about him. And it's like, you know, now this kid doesn't even go to an evangelical church, you know. He uh, he, uh, you know, the, but he just thinks it's so important that all of his classmates, all of his classmates, he wants them to know uh, about Jesus. He wants them to know about him. So he, he individually talks to them and engages them about it. You know, this is a picture, really, of what we should be doing. You know, it, it, we need to help people learn about Jesus before you even try before you even try to teach them ethics and behavior teach them to know Jesus to know about him to know that he is real to know that he you know that he is there some don't even know about him anymore he goes on, he says, make disciples of all nations. You see, don't let differences keep you from telling others about Jesus. Don't let differences do that. Um, God's people were a pretty closed group at this time. And when they would have heard this, it was like, all nations? Yeah, that's not going to happen. That ain't going to happen. You know, we're God's chosen people, and we're the ones, and the rest of them are just, you know, that's, that's, that's too bad about them. You know, it just does that. that that's the second time I went today. But anyway, no, that's the third. Uh, you know, but the, the, whole, the whole reality there, they, they, you know, they were, they, 
they weren't going to be telling other people. You know, you had to be a Jew if you were going to have any standing with them. And if you weren't a Jew, then you weren't going to have any standing with them. And if you were a Jew who converted into Judaism, you'd be there. But yeah, you weren't just quite as good. You see, you weren't just quite. You know, that's that's I. You know, they they'd have the different courts in the in the temple. And there was, you know, the, the court for the men, for the women, and then the Gentiles. You see, those who they made a they wouldn't be in the temple if they didn't, you know, if they weren't pursuing God in some way. But yeah, stay on the outskirts. You see, and, and what he's telling them there is now you make disciples of all nations. They took separation, you know, to an isolating extreme. Not going to have anything to do with these other people. Not going to have anything to do with these people who don't know about God. You know, and some of Jesus' disciples do that today as well. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. You know, we need to be discipling disciples, people following Jesus and telling others how to follow him as well. You know, we need to do that. Don't let differences stop you from telling others about Jesus. You know, even those long-haired hippie type people, you know, uh, tell them about Jesus. Even those who came into this country illegally, tell them about Jesus. You know, those who are of a different race from you, tell them about Jesus. Those who wear weird clothing, which is variously defined in our society, uh, those who wear, you know, uh, tell them about, you know, tell them about Jesus. Those who have different interests than you, tell them about Jesus. Even even some of those who like things you hate, like hot dogs, or even those who like things you hate, tell them about Jesus. Make disciples, he says, of all nations. And he says baptizing them. Baptizing is a step of identification with Jesus. It's a public demonstration of wanting to be identified with Jesus. They even, even then they would be baptized, uh, uh, Gentile converts would be baptized into the Jewish religion. And it was a public thing, it was something done publicly. John the Baptist did what? Baptisms very publicly, you know, and baptize them, that picture of identification there uh, with Jesus. Now I had someone tell me, you know, a couple of weeks ago that they wanted to be baptized. They want to take that step, you know, so we're, we're going to have a baptism service end of summer, beginning of fall. Um, you know, that, there's that picture of identification there. Uh, that's what he's talking about in baptism, identifying with Jesus. Uh, verse 20 really is the last half. You have the, the, the first part of it. It's the last half of the sentence that started in verse 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And on to verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. That's the rest of the sentence. And he says, and remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, disciples learn to teach others to live for Christ Jesus. Disciples learn to teach others to live for Christ Jesus. Notice that it says here, teach them. It does not say, it does not say convert them. It does not say to save them. Because in fact, you cannot convert anyone's heart. You cannot change anyone's heart. You cannot save them. What you can do is introduce them 
to the one who does change their heart, the one who did give his life for them, the one who can save them. You tell them about Jesus. The saving is part as a work of the Holy Spirit, you know, where, where he convicts and he, can, and he brings them to that place of knowing what Christ has done for them. So we begin to teach others about Jesus, sometimes formally, you know, sometimes formally, most often it's informally, but it should always be intentionally. We want to intentionally tell them about Jesus. Sometimes it might be in a formal setting, Sunday school. The kids are downstairs. You know, they're, what are they doing? They're learning about Jesus. You know, in Sunday school class, and you're learning about Jesus. Here, this is a more formal setting. Yeah, and some of you need to dress better. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it's a, it, but it's also informally, you see, as I, can, as I can talk to my neighbors, as I can interact with them, as I, you know, think about it. You know, it's always intentional. You know, we want them, we want them to know about Jesus so they can come to know Jesus for themselves. We tell them about him so they can come to know him for themselves. We tell them, you know, who he is, what he's done. You know, and as they learn more about Jesus, you know, then they, they, they grow to want to learn more about him. You know, you don't, you don't stop telling people about Jesus simply because they don't have a commitment to him yet. I've told you before about Randy and Jean Boltzmann. You know, they're the ones who led the Bible studies and things, uh, they're just very instrumental, you know, in my, in my life and Jenny's life. And they were making disciples, people who would know and follow Jesus. Our very first Bible study we did together was, who is Jesus? And I thought, well, I know the answers to this. Yeah, I, I, was, I was raised going to catechism and stuff, and, and Jesus was in my history books at school. Uh, I thought, I knew about this. And, you know, we went through that study, and I really don't think I learned anything new. You know, maybe I did. I, I just don't really think I learned anything new. But what, I, you know, but what I did learn is I wanted to know more. You see, and simply because I did not make a commitment to Jesus, Randy and Jean didn't stop teaching us. They continued to teach us about Jesus. And for me, you know, it was, it was you know, about a year, you know, it, it was for about a year that they continued to teach me about Jesus, even though I didn't have a commitment to him. They continued to do what? To make disciples, even though I had not come to that place where I had given my life to Christ. They were discipling disciples. As they grew themselves, you see, they were, they were, they were telling me more about Christ so that I could learn more. You know, and they did that formally. We had this Bible study at our house. They invited me to church. I went to the dentist uh, one day this week, whatever day it was. And, you know, so the lady's cleaning my teeth. And then she has a jackhammer out, you know. Bloop, no. Uh, you know, um, it came up. I, she asked me what I did, you know, and I, I told her I was a pastor. And she said, so, you know, I get a lot of people in here that tell me about, you know, about their church and stuff and all that. She said, but they never invite me. She said, they never tell me to come. She said, we moved, you know, she grew up in uh, in New Haven. She doesn't live in New Haven anymore. And she said, and, 
they tell me, you know, about their church and all that stuff, and no one invites me to come. Well, she had her fingers in her mouth, so I couldn't say too much right then. Um, but when it, when it was over, and then I, I invited her, I said, uh, she lives up in Leo, you know. Who would ever drive from Leo to come here? Just make sure you keep doing it. Uh, anyway, um, you know, so she was, you know, she was talking about that and stuff, and, uh, you know, and she walked me out front, and she said, well, you know, she was saying goodbye, and I looked at her, and I said, you know, you're welcome to come to our church. She had asked me where it was, you know, and I told her, I said, well, she's not here, so. I said, you know, you're welcome to come to our church. I knew you were going to say that. She said, but see, Randy and Jean did it formally in the Bible study and inviting me to the church, but they also did it informally. They had us over to their house for meals, you know. They, they, we did, we just did life together. We, you know, we, we played softball. I met their kids. They cared about me. Even for that year where I didn't give my life to Christ and really, I don't know that I even seemed like I wanted to at that point. They taught me and they trusted God to save me. They trusted God to teach me more. And to help me know who he was. Teach them, it says. Teach them to observe, to follow, to obey. That's not simply transmitting facts. What that is, is you help people to learn how Jesus makes a difference in life. How he makes a difference in life. You know, you teach them that. How it makes a difference in our perspectives, our values, our goals, our reactions, our peace. It makes a difference in how we face troubles. It makes a difference in how we deal with the good times. Help people to learn of Jesus. Help them to learn about Jesus. Help them to learn to obey Jesus. Teach them what it means to follow Him. Teach them what it means to be His disciples. Teach them to live for Christ Jesus. Teach them in love and with love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, We exhort you, brothers, and warn those who are irresponsible. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. I didn't like that part. I just didn't like that part. But that's what he tells me to do. James, you know, chapter, well, we're not going to look at that. I'll look that one up later. It's listed in your bulletin. Second Timothy, chapter 2. The Lord's slave must not quarrel. I'm in trouble already. He doesn't say it's just a good idea if you don't have arguments. Notice the words. Must not quarrel. But must be gentle to everyone even to the one who keeps kicking the back of their seat, who keeps poking them in the ribs, who keeps doing what they can to aggravate and Be gentle with everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents. Opponents will give you a tip right there. He's not just talking about your buddies. He's talking about those who are in your face. Instructing your opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Can't turn two pages. Then 
They may come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, having been captured by him to do his will. Colossians chapter 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Make this obvious. Clothe yourselves. Put it so where, where people can see it. You know, they see your clothing. You know, John's got a blue shirt. Uh, you know, Walt's got, uh, it's a shade of green. Men only have to know five colors. Uh, you know, the city's got on a plush. Clothe them. Make this obvious. Put it right out there with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and, and patience. Make those the things obvious in your life. Uh, the Ephesians 4 passage, uh, look up later. We don't have time to do that in John 13 either. You know, here, here is the point there. You know, make the most of the time you have. You know what I remember most about Randy and Jean? Not so much what they taught me in uh, Bible study. I remember how they lived. What I remember most is how they did life. And I remember that it was consistent. It was consistent with what they taught me from the Bible. Not perfect, but consistent. Because when you're camping, and we were out camping together more than once, we used to go on, uh, we used to go on um, Labor Day weekend. Then we changed it and we started going Memorial Day weekend and Labor Day weekend. You know, our Bible study would have a camp, a camp out. We could get a group campsite at some state park or something and we'd do that. There's not much place to hide when there's just a little thin sheet of canvas between you and the rest of the world. And when you and your wife still don't see things eye to eye, you get a, what I noticed though, they weren't perfect, but they were consistent. Now, you won't get as close to everyone as, you know, and involved with everyone as we did with Randy and Jean, but you might. You might. So don't, don't be afraid of that. You know, don't, 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 don't fear that. What you, what you do is the same thing in teaching others about much of life that you do with them. Now, you have more, co- more, more time with your coworkers, you know, that... It, if you work a 40-hour week, you spend 40 hours, 40 waking hours uh, with your coworker. That's probably more than you spend with your spouse awake in a week. Just a thought for you there. Um, uh, you know, with your neighbors, you have a little less time with them, even less time with the casual acquaintance. The point is to make the most of the time you have. Another character, trust God, you know. Trust God, you know, trust Him with what you are able to do. Trust Him that He will use that in the lives of others. Another characteristic in verse 20, disciples learn to remember that the Lord is with them always. That He is with them always. Um, there is not a time, there is not a situation where God says, you're on your own now, buddy. I've taken you this far, now best of luck to you. There's not a time in which he does that to us. There's not a time in which he says, you know, I want you to minister to these people, and when you're in the middle of it, he says, oh, by the way, i got something else to take care of. You know, when God, you know, when God delivered his people through the wilderness, he guided them for 40 years. They wandered for over 40 years because of their sin, because of their disobedience. Yet God was with them and led them. And when it came time for them to enter into the new land, into the promised land, um, 
Moses was not going to go with them, and Moses told them he would not be going with them, but he reminded them of this. He said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. A promise that's repeated in Hebrews, in case you think this is just for people you know, of Israel wandering in a desert. He said, your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. My earthly father abandoned me. He, you know, he left. One of my nieces has been corresponding with me this week, and a little bit about that. She said, "You know, when did your dad leave? How long? Because my, my brother's gone, and so she can't ask him anymore." Um, so we. He would have been seventy-three. On Thursday. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so I've been communicating with her. Uh, My earthly father left me. He abandoned me. My heavenly father will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never leave me. On my own. It's also, you know, you you can see that in Psalm 139. It's listed in your bulletin. We're not going to pull that up. Um, I I just want to read Psalm 23 for you because the Lord's presence is all over this thing. Just listen. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His namesake. You see, His presence is all over this psalm. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me. Oh, I love that phrase. Will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. This tie, that ties right in with the final phrase, the final characteristics of the disciples, where he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Disciples learn to remember that our time here is limited. This life is not the end. This life is not the destination that we are living for. This is not the place we are living for. Everything in our life is preparing us for much more than what is going on here and now. This life is preparing us for eternity. This life here is preparing us for eternity. Jesus told us in Matthew, he says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Paul wrote it to the Corinthians in chapter 3. Read that on your own later. It's listed in your bulletin. Uh, Also in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, again, it's listed in your bulletin. Read it later. And uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 1, and take a minute and read that later. Um, 
which one are we going to stop on here? The second Peter. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will burn and be dissolved and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for and earnestly desire the coming of the day of God. The heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it, and the elements will melt because of the heat. But based on his promises, we wait for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness will dwell. Disciples learn to remember that this moment is not the end. So we learn, you know, we learn to live in light of eternity. Now, that's not taking this day lightly. It's not taking this day lightly at all. You know, you know, because we have eternity, because we have Jesus Christ, what this is, is it is knowing eternity is real. So this day does matter. It's knowing eternity is real, so each conversation matters. And we learn it matters not only for us, but for the lives of those that we come into contact with, that they too will face eternity. When I was doing, when I was doing welding, my, the welding area that in our shop was right next to the uh, door where deliveries and things came. And uh, one Friday I was trying to finish up a job and the door went up and uh, Bill Wishart, our salesman, backed his car in. And he had some stuff in the trunk that needed to come out. So I went over there and I helped Bill get it out. This is after I had told them that I was going to be leaving my job and going to Bible school. Well, Bill wanted to talk and he was in a talkative mood. I wanted to get my work done. So we talked for just a little bit and I quickly brought the conversation to an end so that I could get back to work. I, the next day was Saturday. I knew I was going to be working on Saturday and I knew Bill, he always came in on Saturday. So I thought, we'll just finish this conversation tomorrow. So we went home and I come back. I got there at 7 o'clock. We started work at 7 o'clock. Um, so I started working. It was about 7.30 and that's when Bill usually came in. So I thought, well, it's a good time to talk to Bill. So I started heading up toward the office. As I'm heading up toward the office, one of my coworkers said to me, hey, did you hear what happened to Bill? I said, what? I said, he had a heart attack shaving this morning. He's dead. That was over 43 years ago. I still remember Live knowing eternity is real for you and for those you're talking to. He's called us to be discipling disciples. Those who will pour into the life of others. Disciples learn to be discipling disciples. Help others come to know and follow and identify with Christ Jesus. Teach others to live for Christ. Remember, the Lord is with you always. And remember, time here is limited for you and for them. Make disciples. Be a discipling disciple. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for life in Christ. Thank you for the opportunities you give us to be able to share that with others. May we not be silent. May we not be so consumed with what we want to get done that we forget about the life of others. We don't save them, Lord, you do. We want them to know you. We want them to come to know you to the place where they can then grow also in you and grow to that place where they give their life to you. Grow to that place where they come to you for forgiveness. Help us to be discipling disciples. For your glory and your honor we pray in Christ's name. Amen.